Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hey, we're just going to, we're combining locations today, so we're just going to do this a little different. Is that all right? We're going to have some fun today. And already we got a baby dedicated, man. We play ball. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're married and you got kids coming. At, like it's just, we were playing ball yesterday. Wasn't that yesterday? So that was, that's pretty cool. Well, excited for what God has for us today and uh, just looking forward to his word being infused in our hearts. Here's, here's the deal. Uh, the temperature in the Schmidgall household in the wintertime, it's a tad bit chilly. And, you know, cold is relative, isn't it? <laughs> I grew up in Chicago. So if you can feel your toes, we're wasting some heat. I believe it. Yes, indeed. Anybody ha- had a dad who was a thermostat hawk? Right? Anybody here who is that thermostat hawk? That's right, my people. And so here we are. So I'm just going to apologize to the rest of you for us, okay? You know, we can get a little anxious, and, you know, it's that, that hawk is like, you can be sleeping for six hours, deep sleep. Somebody touches that. What's going on? Leave your hands off that. <laughs> 62 degrees is plenty warm in this house. But, be- <laughs> but thank you. Just making my point. But bear with me for a moment because my kids will come to me. They said, Dad, it's freezing in here. We got to do something about this, Dad. It's too cold. And here's the thing. They come to me in shorts, a T-shirt, and no socks. (laughs) And if you come to me and say that it's cold with that getup, what am I going to say every time? Put Put some clothes on. Put some clothes on. I mean, hey, I love throwing money in the garbage to keep it at Miami degrees, you know, in our house. But, <laughs> but come on, right? So they come to me, and, and, and I started doing something. Uh, ooh, I lost something. I lost it in the mix here. I had a shirt up here, but maybe it's not here. Okay, so I'll do something. They'll come to me, and, and hey, okay, Dad, like, and, and I'll say, J- you know, put a shirt on or something. Okay, no, Dad. And so I actually started keeping a shirt on site on our main level. And I'll pull the shirt out and I'll hand it. No, Dad, it's not about putting a shirt. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Only like two people would throw it at my head and Pastor Lyle is one of them. (laughs) My wife is the other one. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So I have this on the mat. Put this on. No, it's not not just a shirt, Dad. It's way cold. No, put this on. I'm not going to put it on. It's good. And they'll put it on. And this is kind of nice. It's got, a, it's got a liner, fleece liner on the inside. You put it on, you wrap up, it's warm. And it envelops you when you put this thing on. And all of a sudden, the complaining stops. Yes. There's no more commentary, and they become a new person. <laughs> Why? Because the warmth of the Father Amen. is on them. That's good. And listen, we are in some rough spaces, are we not? We are in some adverse temperatures. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're walking in it, and we come to God. And what do we say? God, this is ridiculous. you got to change the temperature. Right. you got to change the environment. Yes, that's good. 
But maybe it's not about changing the environment. Maybe it's because we are ill-equipped yeah. for the environment that we are in. That's good. And God comes to us and he says back, I am warmth. Yes. I am peace. Yes. I am joy. Yes. I am favor. Come into me. Yes. And he invites us to put him on. And so this is our calling. But listen, we have to actually lean in and put on what he has designed exactly for you. Yes, that's good. It starts right there. We are God's creation. But we got to put on what he has made for us. Amen. Well, let's read together in Colossians 3. We continue our holy series today. And Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Someone say compassion. Compassion. Someone say kindness. Kindness. Someone say humility. Humility. Someone say gentleness. Someone say patience goes on to read in verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And overall, these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. May the words of our lips and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul when he was in this imprisonment in Rome. The interesting thing about this is that this book was written to encourage each one of us today, the people in Colossae as well. But he's writing to communicate the supremacy of Christ over all of these crazy teachings. They were teaching all kinds of things. And so what he was saying is that Christ is supreme. He was reminding each one of us today in the same way he was reminding them then that there are chosen people, that there are people deemed holy, that there are people that are loved, dearly loved by God. You know, similar to this audience, if we're real with ourselves, there are probably times in our lives when we have to be reminded who we are. There are probably times in our lives when we have to be reminded that we need to put on these qualities that God has extended for each one of us. The beautiful thing about this passage is that the Apostle Paul is reminding them, not in light of who they are necessarily, but in light of who God is. So they're finding their identity in God. Christ is supreme, not just because he's Jesus Christ, but because of what he did for us. That he lived a sinless life, that he died and that he was rose again from the dead. And he's fully God and fully man. You see, Christ is holy. This holiness that we talk about is transcendence, is manifested presence, is God having uh, this, this position in our life where we can have confidence. Holy essentially means just set apart. Yeah. That it's set apart from everything else. I love how Pastor Mark defined it last week. He said, God doesn't fit within the four dimensions of space-time he created, much less the logical constraints of our left brains. God is bigger than big. That's transcendence. God is closer than close. That's his eminence. He is the most high God in his holiness. Someone say his holiness. Is expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the definition of holy. Holiness is being Christ-like. I believe today that God's holiness is 
our freedom. Our freedom to walk like who we are. Our freedom to step into our callings. Our freedom to step into the purposes of our life. You see, because in our weakness, God is powerful. In our brokenness, God makes us whole. And when we're uncertain, God gives us confidence. So first, we're charged to respond to God's holiness with our lives by putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we're real, those things are hard, right? They're hard to do sometimes. Compassion, that we're sympathetic for people in the midst of their stuff. That can be hard. Kindness, that we're friendly and generous and considerate to others. That may be hard from any D.C. drivers. Amen. Uh, (laughs) Humility. Humility. A modest view of one's self. Gentleness, that we're tender, that we're mild-mannered in the dealings with others. And that we're patient. That we have the capacity to accept or tolerate delay or suffering or trouble, circumstances in our lives. Our decision today is to clothe ourselves with those qualities. Yes, the Holy Spirit creates them in us. And the Holy Spirit presents opportunities for us to actually utilize them. But it's up to us to take that step. I have a friend that has an electric car. Uh, Pretty neat, right? Electric cars. They are efficient. They're fast. They have all types of features that normal gas cars don't have. Like they can drive themselves and all those types of things. But if that individual drives around town all day and pulls up in the driveway and doesn't plug that car in, In the morning, that car might not work in the same type of way. If that individual gets in that car with all of these nice features but doesn't activate them, then that car is not going to function in the way that it was designed to function. In the same, y'all know where I'm going with this, right? In the same way, if we don't operate in the way that God has designed us, the things that the Holy Spirit has put in us, if we're not utilizing them, then we're not being the people that God has called us to be. If you don't have an electric vehicle, just pretend like it's your cell phone. Amen. That's me. You know, one of the unique things that Paul does, and I love this, that Paul, he gives us how to actually utilize this. So if we look on in the next verse, it says one way we manifest this is by putting on this new self, these characteristics, is by forgiveness. Forgiveness is extremely challenging. Forgiveness is hard. And the reality is sometimes forgiveness isn't even about that other individual that harmed us. That forgiveness is more about ourselves. If we harbor unforgiveness in our lives, it can result in anger. It can result in bitterness. And before we know it, we're not even angry or bitter at that other individual anymore. We're angry and bitter with everyone that's around us. Because if, if we're really being real with ourselves, some of us fall into that place even right now by not even forgiving ourselves. Right. By something that we did years ago, something that we're ashamed of, that God calls us to forgive. You know, I'm guilty of, um, Pastor Joel, taking the express lane uh, coming from Virginia to D.C. from time to time. They have this thing called Easy Pass. It, they have it in most metropolitan areas. And from time to time, I forget to charge that easy pass up. So anybody know what that means? They send me a bill. And it's like immediate. They send me an email and say, hey, you owe us $6 or $7. 
If I hesitate and not pay that right away or charge up that easy pass, what happens is, anybody know this, you get that administrative fee, you get that late fee, and I probably have an $85 ticket sitting somewhere right now. <laughs> that, that should have been $6. I'm sorry to my wife, Tamika. I know you're going to get me later. My bad. Ushers, if you could come for the offering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is love so, hey, we might need bro. to do that, man. Come on, y'all. Help me out. <laughs> you know, the reality is, and you feel, if you don't handle something right away, you end up paying for it later. You end up paying for it more. Mm -hmm. God calls us to be holy as he is holy, that we're to use these characteristics. Sometimes it's easy for us to forget. It's easy for us to forget that our relationship with God also impacts the relationship with others. Yeah. Yeah. And that if we say that we're children of the most high God and that we love God, then we need to love those that are around us. I love how Dr. Tony Evans talks about forgiveness. He says, forgiveness doesn't mean approving a sin or excusing evil. Rather, forgiveness means releasing people from obligations incurred by their wrongs against you. This may come in a couple of different ways. It might be just forgiveness without them ever knowing. It could be forgiveness when they come to you and you have that conversation and they repent and you forgive them and reconciliation takes place. The reality is what makes us forgive is recognizing that we were once forgiven, that God forgave each one of us. And when we don't extend forgiveness to others, it's like cutting off the blessing of what God wants to do in our life. Yeah. It's like taking that water hose that wants to flow and you bend it in half and the water doesn't come out in the way that it should. Mm -hmm. We have to forgive. Finally, we're charged to put on love. That love covers all of this. Guys, remember Tina, what's love got to do, got to do with it? She goes on to say it's a secondhand emotion. Love is not a secondhand emotion. It's everything. First Corinthians 13 talks about it. It says, if I speak with tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Mm. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is that component that keeps everything together. Yeah. My family, we have this microwave, beautiful microwave. It has all the buttons. It has the lights. It has the clock. But we had an issue with this microwave. All these things, all these features, and the microwave wasn't heating up the food. <laughs> right? So it's beautiful decoration, but it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So we had a repair person come out, and they came out and said, hey, you have this little small component in the microwave that's not functioning properly. It's not heating up the food in the way that it should. Its main focus, its main purpose, it wasn't accomplishing it. If we don't have love, we can't accurately use all of these qualities that Paul talks about, that we don't use them in the way that God wants. Love is everything, not a secondhand emotion. Love is the condition of our heart, the way that we posture ourselves. It's absolutely everything. God's holiness causes us to respond with our lives.
verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It was a Paulism. Hmm. Paul would take often secular words and he'd pull them into Christian vernacular use. And he takes this word, brabueo, and it's a Greek word that was used for sporting events. So it means to direct or to umpire. Uh, it means to help in a difficult decision, to be the arbiter in a tough moment. And so just imagine, you're seven blocks away. You're at Nat Stadium. Great game, right? Tied up, late innings, ninth inning. That Nats player rounds third, headed for home. You know, here comes Bryce Harper. He's going to win the... Oh, my bad. Uh, here, no, here comes Juan Soto rounding... Oh, me, my bad. Okay. Victor Robles, is he still on the team? I don't know. Okay, Teddy, Teddy, the president, is rounding third. <laughs> you know we're in trouble. Dives into home. One side is yelling safe. The other side is yelling out. What does everyone do? They look at the umpire. Yeah, yeah. What is the ruling? Interesting application here that Paul is making. He's saying, what if in all your relationships, in all your disputes, in all your issues, what if you make peace your ruling? He's saying, make peace your final authority. That's good. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The word dwell comes from the Greek word oikos. It's not just a fancy yogurt, right? He uses this word, and it means home or permanent place of residence. So Paul, he's saying that make the word, give that home in your heart. Don't just let the word onto your front porch, right? That's what we do. Somebody comes to your door in D.C. You step outside the door, right? Talk to them on the front porch. Yeah, yeah. Hmm? Don't just let them on the inside of your door. Don't just invite them to say grace at your meal, right? No, it's saying make the word a, a permanent place in your spirit, in your heart, in your home. That's good. You know when somebody's in your home and they live there, they have access to anything. You know they know the status of everything, right? Yeah. Right? Guests come over. Oh, what's upstairs? Nothing's upstairs. Nothing up there. Oh, what's that? Is that a closet? Nope, nothing in there. It's just a door. There's nothing behind that. Right? Because you're hiding things, right? They don't, a guest doesn't know the status. Somebody lives in your home. They know the status of things. Let the word know the status of your house, of your heart. Because the word changes us, doesn't it? Allow the word to have a place within your spirit. Psalm 119, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is God's word a stranger in your house? Or are you saturated with the life-giving, life-altering word? Give it place. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. If you were to open up a hymn book, you would see three types of songs in any hymn book. And those are defined by this scripture right here. First, we see psalms. These are inspired words from the Word of God that we sing sometimes. 
We see hymns. Those are praise songs. said to God, we praise you for your character. We praise you for who you are, God. And then we see spiritual songs. These are testimonies. Things that have come out of people following God and testimonies flow out of that. But here's the thing. When we lift up our praise, something happens, right? We're ministering to God, but God also ministers to us, doesn't he? But here's the piece we don't think about. Because when I sing praise in my car, it's different than when I sing praise right here with y'all. And I love the, the architecture of this space because you all are singing this way. You all are singing this way. Y'all are singing this way. We're not just facing one direction, are we? We are literally singing the praises of God over one another in this space. And it does something to the spirit, doesn't it? It changes something. This goes back to the early days. Studies show that that infants actually respond to singing more than speaking from parents. It has a physical effect on them. They're more alert. They find themselves calmed. Studies show as we get older, when we sing, when we're sang over, something happens. Endorphins are released in our body. We find a place of peace. We find a calmness in ourselves in those moments, I would just testify that because sometimes I come into this room and I come in for worship and I got some stuff going on and I'm probably a little discouraged. And then about halfway through worship, I don't know what happened, but I'm just feeling a little different. And my spirit changes. Why? Because y'all are singing over me. Anybody have that? You walk in and and you're you're feeling discouraged and that DIS changes to an EN, right? I go from discouraged to encouraged. Because the praises of God are just flying all over the place. And they begin to bless our soul. When we praise God, it's not just about me in the moment. It's not just about ministering to the Lord and his spirit. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you go somewhere or do something in somebody's name, you carry two things. You carry authority, you carry representation. You carry their authority where you go, and you carry the weight of representing them well, don't you? And so you don't just walk in yourself. No, you walk with a different aura because you have authority and representation of that name which you are walking in, which you are representing. So to pray in Jesus' name. It doesn't just mean you throw that moniker on the end of your prayer, right? Because I can pray, God, I pray that you would give me unlimited wealth. Give me an electric car, God. (laughs) Give me unlimited power. And I'm praying these things. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. I didn't pray in Jesus' name. Yes, I used the moniker at the end of the statement. But to pray in Jesus' name is to pray in accordance with with his character, and with his will. Yes, that's good. And then we're walking in Jesus' name. Then we're moving in his name. A couple weeks ago, we paused right up here. Pastor Dave led us in a moment. Remember, we prayed over Turkey and Syria and the devastation. Over 45,000 lives lost. And we just took some time as a community, didn't we? Just to lean in and to pray for strength. That you would give supernatural help and care. And we prayed in that moment, didn't we? But here's what I love about this church. 
we don't just pray in word. We pray in deed. And I just want to thank you because this week we invested $45,731 invested in our partners over in Turkey and Syria, helping those who are on the ground and like convoy of hope. We have NCCers who actually are on the ground there receiving those funds that you gave. So thank you for your investment. Thank you for your generosity. And here's the thing, that goes a long way. Listen, we have a, a chaplain who's a part of this church community, and he's a military chaplain, spent a year there in Turkey, and he actually gave us an update uh, just a couple of days ago. And here's what he shared, because talking to a friend on the ground, a friend who has lost his house in the earthquakes, who is out on the street with his family, lives in, um, in a tent out in a dirt parking lot, had the rest of his stuff looted, just a rough place in life, just in a deep deep, tough place. And so he talked to him. He's been working with him. He's trying to help him. And here's what he said. He said to the chaplain, he said, listen, you know me. He said, you know I'm a Muslim. But he said, you Christians are the only people who keep showing up. You just keep coming and helping. And he said, just please keep calling me so we can keep praying together. He's hurting. But Christ followers just keep showing up. To pray in Jesus' name is not just to use a moniker. It's to pray yes in word that the Almighty will show up. But then it's to say, (coughs) excuse me, then it's to say, God, can I be a part of this prayer? God, how can I participate in this? That's going to be who we are. We are going to pray in word and in deed in Jesus' name. We think of in Jesus' name as a power move, right? Oh, we get power when we throw that on the end of it. But maybe it's not just a power move. Maybe it's also a filter. Is my prayer in in word and deed, does it line up with Jesus' character and his will? Maybe that humble filter needs to be on everything we say and everything we do because we are bearing his name. But when we do, we walk in his authority. When we walk in his authority, we walk with his anointing. Man, I was at my mom's earlier this week. And you go to my mom's house, she's always going to give you something. I don't think she goes to the grocery store without buying like three times the amount of groceries just so she can give somebody if somebody shows up. So this week, though, she, she blessed me. She gave me something different. She pulled out this vial and she gave it to me. She said, this is your father's anointing oil. Father passed away 25 years ago. I just want to give it to you. He used to take it to the hospital, take it to the altar. He'd take it to any ministry opportunities. And she gave it to me. And, and um, man, I was just really touched. That's my dad's anointing oil right there. She said, you might want to change the oil out. Because <laughs> that hasn't been for, touched for 25 years. I said, no way. Look at that. There's just a little bit of anointing oil. There's nothing magical about this. But it represents the anointing of my father. Look at that. That touches me. Do you you know that anointing oil, where does it come from? It comes from the olive press. Olives are put in the press and these huge stones are brought down on the olives, pressing those olives to a pulp until oil comes out. I know somebody here feels a little pressed in life, don't you? 
And the weight is just coming down, isn't it? And it's pressing you down. Because the responsibilities are just too great. And the bills are just too high. And the relationships are just too hard. And life is coming down. It's pressing you down. And it's pushing you down. And if you're honest today, you just feel it crushing you. And what do I do? And here's the problem. You have to go through the crushing to get to the healing. You have to go through the pressing to get to the anointing. You can't anoint anybody with your anointing oil unless you've gone through the pressing. But when you go through that pressing, what does oil do? Oil refreshes. Oil renews. Oil makes new. Oil gives a new fragrant. Oil heals. It's all these things. And so when we go through the pressing, we can understand there is a purpose. That God is at work. That he's not done. That his hand is on where you are at. He has a purpose in everything you're doing. And he has a purpose through the pressing. We think we can't. Now listen. We, we, we think we can just anoint others. But we can't anoint others in our current state. We try to anoint. We take that olive. Anoint you. <laughs> There's no impact. Nothing. Zero. There's no residue. <laughs> Nothing there. You have to go through the pressing. Amen. To get the oil of joy. Yes. This is my dad's oil, bro. That's my dad's oil. That's my dad's oil. I just anoint you, my brother. I anoint you with a bold anointing, Pastor Marion. I anoint you in adversity. This anointing came through hours on his knees in prayer. I anoint you with his blessing today, with his healing, with his renewal of life. But here's the thing. You got your own oil. God has a unique anointing oil that he brings through every single one of us. Your oil is unique. You bring a presence into the room that is calm. You bring a peaceful presence. You bring an encouraging presence. Your oil is unique. Your oil is unique. My oil is unique. There's oil of wisdom. There's oil of perseverance. There's oil of resolve. There's oil of grace. We have different oils all over the place. But you have to go through the crushing. You have to go through the pressing. And here's where we end off. Is we are anointed by Jesus. It all ends and it all starts right there. He puts his oil on our forehead. Oh, Isaiah chapter 63. What I'm going to do is just invite everyone to stand. And if you're okay with it, just hold your hands out like this. And the word of the Lord says in Isaiah 63, Jesus, Jesus was wounded for each one of our transgressions, each one of us here today. He was bruised for each of our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon 
him. And by his stripes, each one of us is healed. Amen. Family, we're anointed with his oil, yes. his oil of love. And so Jesus, right now, with our hands stretched out, our desire is to receive your love. Mm. Our desire today is to recognize your holiness and that our lives, the way that we live our lives, that they're representative of the anointing that you've given to each one of us, each unique anointing. And so, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your peace in the midst of trouble. God, we love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. All God's people say,